How's it going? I'm Coco. And this is Mike. And this is Rock and Vino, the podcast where we talk about wine and music and sometimes food and how the two <laughs> <laughs> all go so well together. Find past episodes all over the web. You can find it at Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, Spotify, all over the place, uh, rockandvino.com, on social media at Rock and Vino, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Like and subscribe, you get all the past episodes. And you get new ones when they come out every Tuesday when they come out live. And like you said, this week we're covering food with uh, a guy who's done a lot of cooking for uh, in a lot of different places. <laughs> yes, Mr. yes. Dustin Vallette is here. Thank you. Very, very excited to be here. Welcome. <laughs> now, you are currently chef owner of Vallette in Healdsburg. So for, for people who are out of the area or don't know it, describe that space a little bit. Absolutely. So, uh, exactly you said, we are Vallette Restaurant. We're located in downtown Healdsburg, about one block north of the square. And uh, it is my great-grandfather's bakery. So, super exciting. Wow. Love the, uh, we got back in the family. He had it back in the 40s, I think, 40s and 50s. And then, a uh, very short period of time, sold it. And we're very fortunate, myself and my brother, uh, my business partner, to buy it back four and a half years ago. So, super exciting. We're actually... Four years and uh, four months. Who's counting? <laughs> and two days. <laughs> um, and then our uh, our style restaurant is, God, people always ask that question. I got it four years later. I still don't have a good hashtag yet. So <laughs> we're food. <laughs> um, European, my, my background's all big, fancy French restaurants. But open a restaurant, we want to be more casual. No tablecloths. We have bare wood um, tables. And... You know, we're, we're not, I hate the whole farm the table thing is kind of played out. Um, so I don't have a catchy phrase yet, but we have a farm and we have tables. So maybe <laughs> from farm and table. <laughs> um, but no, our whole food is based off of European style techniques, but really kind of staying, I don't know, you know, brighter and fresher and really looking at the California, um, what we can grow in California, we can grow in Healdsburg and Sonoma County, but also, you know, what are the trends? What are we looking at moving forward? You know, pulling back the amount of butter, pulling back the amount of cream, really focusing on the, I can't say healthy because you can't see me, but I'm a very trim <laughs> 260 pounds, but a healthy-ish style of cuisine. Nice. So, and, I guess you uh, summarize by saying food. There you go. That, that <laughs> Hopefully yummy. Ha- hashtag food. Hashtag food. Mazel tov. Done. Hashtag it tastes good. Yes, exactly. Uh, one of my favorite things on your menu is, is the trust me, which is it's the only place I've ever seen it where basically you say, I want this many courses. <laughs> you say, I want food, right? Exactly. Come on. It's so hard. <laughs> I, I want food six or seven different times and just it keeps coming. <laughs> yes, just, exactly. It, where'd that idea come about? Where, where'd that come from? It's you know, cool. thank you. Um, so we actually started that and the idea is in the industry, if you go to Fire Mine's restaurant, we, I usually walk in, I'll sit down, me and my wife or whoever we're with and we'll say, hey, you know, we want like four or five courses of food. I really don't care what you, I like food in general, so I really don't care what it is and you know, it just surprise me, you know, make it like Christmas, right? Like, I love it. And we did that joking around. And then a couple of my friends would come to my restaurant and they would start saying, oh, you know, I trust the chef. You're good. <laughs> so we opened Villette. I was like, let's take this to the next level. So it's called the Trust Me Menu. Um, we started at five courses. The, ca- the most we've ever had was 27. Whoa. Jeez. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's intense. They're like, I want to do 27 courses. I was like, ah, ha, ha. Was that like a party of two? Four people. And <laughs> oh, my it goodness. was ludicrous. I was like, are you kidding me? They're like 27. I was like. Okay. How long were they there for? Like five hours? It, it, was, a, it was a marathon. This wasn't uh-huh. a sprint. This was a marathon. It was like, you like food, you like wine. Welcome to the Thunderdome. 27 courses later. Dang. Um, it was hilarious. But on average, yeah, five to seven is kind of the average. And the idea behind it is we sit down and we have a couple parameters. We start off by saying, what do you enjoy? What do you not enjoy? So you might come in and say, you know, I'm not a big fish guy or God, I hate fennel. You know, or man, I love tomatoes, middle of summer, I love tomatoes. So we'll usually base the menu, we kind of custom create it around the person themselves, or the party, I should say, and also what we have in season and what's kind of inspiring. So we have a garden right across the street, about a 5,000 square foot garden, um, which is kind of rare to have in downtown Hillsburg. And uh, we, we really use that as our basis, as our starting point. So like last night we did a, a fava pesto, but we use just the very young shoots, these little half inch undeveloped shoots of the fava plant. We made a pesto out of that, we use little baby fava flowers, the fava bean flowers. And then we use a little bit larger uh, fava beans. We actually fried them in olive oil. Mm. And that was one of the sets, one of the components 
for one of our dishes. We did that with a little lamb and that was one of the dishes. So it really start off, starts off by saying, what do we have in season and what are we fired up for? And like right now is gorgeous day today. So today's more, you know, bright colors and we're gonna do more favas and peas. And, you know, last week it was like a tsunami like dumping over here. I was like <laughs> looking outside. I was like, are you serious? So I'm like, we're raining again. It wasn't even rain. Like it was like, Rain, rain. An atmospheric <laughs> river of rain, as they keep saying. <laughs> I know, right? I'm like, yeah. I think we passed river stage and we're in the ocean now. Exactly. Like, much. Hello, welcome to the next atmospheric ocean of coming into Hillsburg today. Well, it's going to be up 27 inches. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. I don't like meteorologists. I know. <laughs> Can um, we just pretend it's spring or something like that already? Just, like, stop it already. It's enough with the rain. <laughs> I know, right? Okay. We're good. We're ready with the sun. Exactly. So, anyways, yeah, so like last week when it was raining, we changed it around again. So, it's kind of the best of dishes of the restaurant. And what we kind of feel fired up that day, uh, it's a great combination. So you come in, you sit down, you see how many courses you want. And what we do is we actually do a side by side. So if we have like two people, we'll actually do two different dishes for, you, for each person, mm. one different dish for each person uh, for all the courses. So you can kind of see different dishes from the restaurant. Once we have like a four top, like four people, then we'll do two different ones. So we don't get too crazy. If you have like eight people, we can't do eight different dishes. We get <laughs> we run out of dishes in the restaurant. Like, that's it, 27 people, and they all get into different. Like, I don't know what to do. So, but the idea is again, we want to kind of see, showcase what we have for the day. And we usually do our scallops on cruise, one of our dishes. We do our ahi poke and things that are kind of, you know, some of our signature dishes to, you know, make sure everyone's excited. No, around dish 24, you just like, here's a Snicker bar. Enjoy <laughs> exactly, it. Exactly. <laughs> Have you heard of carrots before? This is a carrot. Uh, sir, it's just a carrot on a plate. You're right. That's course 22. <laughs> um, actually, for the 27 course taste menu, we literally did a carrot. It was one of the courses, I swear <laughs> oh to God. Oh my it God, was, that's hilarious. It was hilarious. We did it four different ways. But I was like starting to run out, because they told me like the day of, I started uh-huh. running out of like, things to cook. I was like... Okay, we have carrots. So I did like a little carrot puree, a little baby carrot, a little honey caramel glaze on top, and like a little chiffonated carrots. And we took the carrot tops and like crisp and little oil, put it on there, and we sent it out. And it was, I swear to God, that was one of my dishes was a carrot. It was the funniest thing ever. He's like, it was so good. It was one of my favorites. I was like, really? And that was one of your favorites was of a freaking carrot. So. I was going to so. say, no, knowing the way you prepare dishes, I'm sure it was the most eloquently, <laughs> most beautifully prepared carrot ever ever been seen. And yet still a carrot. Exactly. <laughs> and just the listeners carrot. out there, we do things more than carrots. Just for the record. You know? <laughs> I don't want to go to that restaurant. All they serve is carrots. I'm not a bunny. God. You know? <laughs> well, a lot of Disney fans, Bugs Bunny is in. It's true. So, Jump on it. Exactly. <laughs> so your background... Uh, before Valette, you were at uh, Dry Creek Kitchen and yes. uh, restaurants around, even uh, over in Honolulu, uh, you had some background. So, wow. uh, what your family history, though, in Healdsburg, what, what was your sort of uh, journey as a chef taking you back around and then back to Healdsburg again? I'm very fortunate. I was born in Healdsburg, grew up in Geyserville, which is about five minutes, ten minutes north of uh, Healdsburg. And, you know, you grow up in the wine country. I grew up, both my parents were pilots. And it, Fell in love with cooking young age. Started cooking at 13 commercial, uh, in a professional restaurant and just fell in love with it. And I always kind of thought that that's what everyone did. I thought that every family ate dinner together every night. I thought every family gave you as like eight years old, had a little bit of wine right in their water glass. Like, <laughs> saw what you did. And it wasn't until I started getting older and I was like, hold on, this, this is special. Like, we grew up in the most amazing place in the world. I just thought everyone was like that. So, Graduate high school early, went to New York, uh, CIA out there, and not the the fancy CIA, the cooking CIA. So <laughs> no background checks needed for mine. Um, so yeah, started cooking early, went CIA, loved it, and just traveled around. I pulled out a big book and said, you know, who's cool, who's the best chefs out there, and went and worked for him. I worked for Thomas Keller, the French Laundry, Bouchon. I worked for Mandroyantel in Hawaii. Uh, I worked for Laurent Monrique at Aqua, San Francisco. I uh, went to Europe, so I spent time in Europe just eating, drinking, cooking a little bit, mostly eating and drinking. Gained like 50 pounds, <laughs> an occupational hazard I have. Um, moved to Vegas, uh, opened a restaurant there in 2007, eight, eight, seven. Uh, then was very fortunate to actually get a job and work with Charlie Palmer. So I was executive sous chef at uh, Dry Creek Kitchen, Hotel Hillsburg for Charlie Palmer for ooh, six years. Um, and that that was probably one of my best experiences. I mean, not only is the food there amazing, but like really be able to like kind of hone in where I was from and really saying, you know, this is Sonoma County and really kind of showcasing just the bounty that Sonoma County has. Um, and Hotel Hillsburg, I always think was one of those most amazing places out there mm-hmm. because I really think I grew up in Hillsburg. It used to be a farming town, you know, very rustic and where the hotel is used to be a big 
empty lot, like not even a parking lot. It's just dirt. <laughs> like, <laughs> you park there? Yeah, you got to drive over the curb. You can park there. <laughs> um, and really, you know, what Merritt did, Merritt Shearer and also uh, Apollo, really had this vision, this idea to create Hotel Hillsburg and create what it is. And they make a gorgeous little restaurant, small little baby restaurant right there in the square. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely love it. So I worked there for six years, worked for Charlie, loved the restaurant. And got all crazy and said, you know what? This whole steady paycheck thing, let's just take that and throw that away and open Who our needs own it? place. I know. <laughs> Who needs a paycheck and a stability? And, you know, this would be ludicrous. So we opened Villette uh, four and a half years ago with my brother. And uh, it's been an amazing time ever since. Now, it, Villette is it's an interesting example. I mean, in some ways, some restaurants are getting away from sort of the, the fine dining experience to more casual stuff. And... Valette just powers through. It's crazy. <laughs> just every night, you guys are packed in there. We're very lucky. But I mean, it's also different. Like, when I was a kid, and the ethos behind like how we created Valette was, I give this example all the time. When I was a kid, I'd be walking down or driving down the street, and I'd see a guy in a suit. And I'd be like, oh, look at that guy. He must be important. He's wearing a suit. You know, like, <laughs> wow. And like the older I got, and especially in you know, Sonoma County where we are, now it's like I see a guy in a suit. I'm like, oh, that must be the chauffeur for the guy who's really important, you know, wearing the jeans and the t-shirt. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think there's just a change. I think there's there's a change of what fine dining is. Uh, Valette, you were very fortunate where we, yeah, we're very, very fortunate. We're packed every night. But, you know, we don't have tablecloths. We're, we don't take ourselves too serious. Our servers wear jeans. Um, I wear jeans. I mean, like, end of the day, it's, Food, I'm not a rocket scientist. I'm not a, I'm not a brain surgeon. Like, food's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be a good times. People come in and they ask, you know, oh, what's the dress code? And I'm like, well, you don't have to wear a dress and we don't wear clothes, but besides that, mazel off. Like, we're good. Oh, she's the shirt in service. I know, right? Really simple. Like, wear a yeah. shirt. You know, yeah, I have holes now. I'm cool with that. Just wear a shirt, put some shoes on, and maybe like pants that maybe you don't ask, you know, maybe shorts if it's hot. But like, I think there's too much, there's too much uh, focus on, fine dining in my mind and I just enjoy I enjoy the fun part I enjoy you know having a good time and we're fortunate also where we have amazing wines great great friends we have you know Costa Brown we have Arista Winery we have Mortson Wines mm-hmm. we have William Selham you know Screaming Eagle Garjula I mean you, all the great cool wine brands are very fortunate to be able to have in our wine list and our food we, we definitely you know buy some really good quality stuff we make our own caviar we do our own charcuterie we, you know, source the best products we can. We have three different farms we work with, uh, one we own, but really try to get the best of the best. And all of this happens in an environment where you can walk in and not have to take yourself serious. You can put your elbows in the table. You don't have to wear a suit to dinner. <laughs> I was, uh, God, probably seven, eight years ago, my wife and I went to New York and we were excited. We had a couple of big, huge, beautiful Michelin rated restaurants we went to. And one was actually a friend of mine's restaurant and it was hot, New York, muggy, hot. And our reservation was early because it was kind of hard to get into. So it was like a 5.30, 6 o'clock reservation. So I walk in with nice slacks and shorts. and I mean, not shorts, sorry, slacks. <laughs> and uh, shoes and a dress shirt and tie, but didn't bring my jacket because it was hot outside. And I'll never forget them saying, I'm sorry, sir, you, you can't dine with us unless you have a jacket. Um. And I just remember that moment of saying, but I'm not eating with my jacket on, one. And two, I'm not going to eat off my jacket, like it's hot outside. It was like you know, like ninety degrees and like one hundred and twenty percent humidity. I mean, it was like New York in the summer. And I'll never forget them having to go get me a rental jacket or a loaner jacket. I put it on. I walked through the dining room with their loaner jacket, <laughs> took it off, put it on the back of my chair, and I sat there going, you know, this has to change. Like we got to change this system. Mm-hmm. Like we got to change that sense of you know you have to wear a jacket to dinner in my in my eyes personally. I understand the reason they wanted to create a sense of elegance back in the room. But for me, it's, you know, it, it, who cares if you jacket or not? I don't care if you have a jacket, if you have shoes, if you have a sweater, you know, but to force them to wear a jacket when it's hot, just not our stick. Um, I do like the idea of shoes. That that's usually helps. That and, you know, a shirt that usually helps. <laughs> uh, but besides that, you know, the, the small things. But again, it, it's a different style. It's really trying to say, let's have the best quality products we can get. Let's have the the best wines we can get. Let's not charge, you know, a crazy price. Let's make it reasonable. And, you know, we don't make quite the same profit we could, but in the day it's about creating, you know, a sense of, you know, enjoyment where you come together, you break bread around the table, you bring your friends, your girlfriend, your wife, your mom, your husband, whoever, and you, you all come together around a table and you break bread. And to me, that's what food is. That's what got me in my industry. And that to me is the best part. Now, which brings us to the new project. Ah, the ah, new one, yes. The math is so exciting. No, it's sort of, it, it, 
the other side of the spectrum from Valette. I believe there's one dish on the Valette menu that became the inspiration for what came next. Is that, is that right? It's the funniest story ever, man. My, my life is so serendipitous. So <laughs> it's, so literally we, we started Valette and I did, when I was with Charlie, I did a dish called Scallop Song Crew. And it was the first thing I ever cooked for Charlie. We were, he went to my restaurant in Vegas a couple of times I had there, and, but I decided working, and I'm sorry, I come back home to Healdsburg working at Tri Kitchen, and the first dish I ever cooked for him was scallops on croup. And we ate it together, me and him. I mean, he's tasting it, he's like, oh my God, this thing is delicious. You know, when'd you come up with it? I was like, uh, about 30 seconds ago. <laughs> I mean, I just kind of winged it. Ever since then, it was fantastic. So it was on the menu, Tri Creek Kitchen, literally since day one. And when I, when I left, we, bartered we agreed that i could take it with me so is it valette forever and it kind of represents what valette is you know big you know redwood trees that are you know that broken down fallen redwood trees we took and milled them into tables and concrete walls and this sense of like you know luxury but still kind of rustic-ish and loved it great dish all of a sudden maybe two years ago i had this crazy idea to make a poke right and i lived in hawaii for a couple years so we did a poke dish and it has just taken off. Like everybody that comes in loves it. So, you know, we changed menu all the time. So I took off the menu like a, I don't know, a year and a half ago. I had a menu for like four or five months. Did that ensue a riot? It seriously did. <laughs> like I have never got hate mail until like I took, oh this, I took off the poke. And it was like, people would be like, I came to your restaurant. You don't have the poke. So we left. I was like, but there's other things. In the, there's other things that are even better. They're yeah. like. No. I mean, like, I literally, within, like, a week, I got, like, flack. I mean, they thought I was, like, Trump. And it was just, like, you know, hate mail left and right. Like, it was bad, man. So, finally, I was like, okay, fine. Put back on the menu. But the funny thing is, we've had it there the past two years. But it doesn't, it's different than filet. It's, it's an Asian-inspired dish. It's my time in Hawaii. It is absolutely delicious. But it, it doesn't, it's a little different than filet. It's the, it's the oddball in the menu, right? But we kind of sat back and we thought about it and we're like, well, people love it and there's a direction. There, there's a change that we're starting to see where we want to focus more on raw food. We want to focus more on healthier food. We want to focus you know, to the next level what Vled is. And we jokingly were very fortunate to be able to buy uh, Matheson, which is the building right there in the square. And when people talk about the menu, I was like, well, you know, we, we bought it because the poke needed a home, right? <laughs> we had the skeleton crew of Valette, but like we need to start another restaurant for the poke. It has to have its own home. Oh, man. Um, it's a good size restaurant for the poke. <laughs> <laughs> it has its own home. And that, that was literally one of the catalysts for the new restaurant. Um, and the idea is hmm. the Matheson will have two different concepts. We'll have the Matheson, which is the overall project, um, encompasses the downstairs dining room, about 68 seats. And that's where we're showcasing the poke and, you know, grilled bronzino, poke, vegetables from the garden, you know, burrata, you know, fresh heirloom tomatoes mm. when they're in season, you know, nice fresh English peas, preserved lemons, and, you know, a nice little quick piece of grilled, you know, wild salmon. Like, really not fish-based, not healthy food, but just a lighter and brighter side of Sonoma County. And then we're also going to have Roof 106, which is our rooftop lounge. Fun. Um, very creative naming. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> what's, the, what's the address? 106 Matheson. Okay. We can do this. I'm like, call the restaurant The Matheson. That's, that's a given. Like, what should we call the roof? I don't know. What's the address? 106. Well, roof 106. I mean, so that the naming took, I know, naming took about 12 seconds. Um, and then going back and forth for like eight months on it. We're like, all the other names. Everyone's like, dude, the first ones were the best. <laughs> so that's what we have. But roof 106 will be a little different. Uh, we're using big wood fire, Munyani oven up there. And mm-hmm. we'll be focusing really on quick little dishes and more international. So, uh, you know, I went to Barcelona four or five months ago and loved it. I mean, Barcelona's amazing. Went to Donalista, like all these great places. And you get inspired by their cuisine. You get inspired by, you know, we did a, it sounds cheesy, but we did a Humboldt Fog Cheese. And I took a very simple little handmade corn tortilla, put Humboldt Fog Cheese on it a little bit, put it in the oven, right? In the wood fire oven, let it kind of melt, took it back out and put house made prosciutto on top and a little arugula. And that was it. Mm-hmm. And you think about it, you're like, oh yeah, it's tostada, of course, right? We get it. But a little different, you know, because it's like humble fog. And it's like creamy and delicious. It's got a little mm-hmm. terroir, a little funk to it, right? And then the prosciutto, you didn't cook the prosciutto, it just kind of melted back on top from the hot little, you know, housemade, handmade corn tortilla. And then the arugula, a nice little bright greeny pop, a little bit of olive oil too, and sea salt. But it's that's been the direction of the Roof 106. Nothing fancy. It's going to be, you know, I'm thinking everything's going to be under 10 bucks. And I want a place that, again, take what we're doing in Follette, but the next level. Really do the, the casual element, but make it fun and really have a purpose for it and say, you know, this cheese is from, you know, right over here and the arugula is grown in our garden and the tortilla we made by hand and really showcase the 
showcase the artisans, showcase the craft, showcase, you know, what got us into this and what got me into this. It wasn't, uh, you know, go on online and order a case of tortillas. It was saying, you know, what is tortilla? Where did it come from? Like, what's the history? What's the origins? How did they make it? How can we make it? How can we take something that is, you know, so old, so redone, it's been used so many times, but put our spin on it. And our spin isn't to preserve it. It's not to make a million of them and, you know, add a chemical and benzenate and all this kind of stuff to preserve it for five years, but let's make it fresh every day. You know, let's make it cool. Let's make it, you know, just refine what we're doing and get back to the origins of food. Get back to what got me started and what got us started cooking around a fire at old school times. Nice. No, that it sounds like the the right place for a, a carrot on the menu. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. And then... The center center of the menu is going to be a carrot. That's correct, Bob. You heard it here first. It's going to be a pure carrot puree with a carrot and a carrot chip. And we will charge $47 for that. And it's going to be a fantastic entree. 52 if you want the wine pairing. <laughs> exactly. I like that. It's not a bad. $5 glass of wine. <laughs> well, now, it's, uh, you look at a community like Healdsburg, uh, big, booming in tourism now. Uh, and... The process of getting this project ready, I mean, you sort of saw the people sort of getting used to seeing the area expanding. So, I mean, what was the process like for you getting it, getting this all approved and squared and sort of assuring people that, oh, your, your square is not going to change. Yeah. It, it's, it'll be a cool space, but it's not going to change the small towniness of the, of the square. Small towniness small. is a good call. I like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but... I don't know. I mean, I look back at it for me and say, you know, everybody resists change, right? We're all creatures of habit. Everybody, you know, somebody puts their shoes on left shoe first, you know, and we're all creatures of habit. That's what we're used to. So Hillsburg, when I grew up, Hotel Hillsburg, again, that used to be a par- an empty lot, like not even a parking lot, just an empty lot. And now it's a beautiful, gorgeous, you know, hotel with a beautiful restaurant. But everything's changing. Everything has changed. I mean, change is inevitable. If you go back to a mining town from the 1900s, you know, up in Eureka, California, right? That nothing's changed at all, right? It's abandoned. That has changed because nothing's changed there, right? So the world has the internet and TV and, you know, stoplights and that town is a old ghost town. So even though it hasn't changed at all, it's changed by not evolving. So I think the term change is inevitable. We are going to change. And what my, I mean, my partner, Craig, what our dream, our vision, our goal was is to preserve and protect the square protect the building my I keep my world so serendipitous my great-grandfather who came from France his very first bakery was called the snowflake and we're not going to use that title so <laughs> no trademark on it um, and that is where the building that we actually bought on the square we're putting oh, wow. the mathis in his second was called home bakery and that's where Vlet is right now so again just crazy small so world. both properties both properties wow he that's also awesome. he had a ranch up in Mill Creek which if we ever had money if there's anyone out there who wants to give me a couple million dollars we'll have that too but <laughs> <laughs> probably not going to happen anytime uh-huh. soon um, so yeah, so there was a little resistance, right? And I think people just didn't understand what we we're doing. You know, I think people, you know, someone thought that we were going to tear it down, put a big condo because there was a rumor about that and mm-hmm. that wasn't true. Um, we really wanted instead to preserve and protect. And I think once the word got out of what our ideas were, were to, you know, keep the bookstore. There's a bookstore called Copperfields, which we love and a little pots and pans store called Plaza Gourmet, which is amazing. They have like the best cool kitchen stuff. I've go there like once a month because I'm like, Someone just broke our peeler. Like, we don't have a peeler. I'm like, hold on, I'll be right back. <laughs> it's a block away, you know? <laughs> Watch the fat chef run through the square. Right <laughs> I need a peeler. I need a peeler on the fly. Grab it, come back. Um, so, we really wanted to preserve and protect retail. We wanted to keep uh, Copperfield's bookstore. We wanted to keep Plaza Gourmet. And we wanted to do something that, you know, was a hub, a, a place that people can come and gather. And again, I mean, I, what got me into cooking was I. I I miss the times of my family sitting together around a table. Uh, mom and dad went through divorce and they were always busy, but like no matter what, up until then, we always sat around a table and had dinner together. And I still, you know, 40 years later, I, I miss those days. And that's something that is very important to me. So to be able to protect a building without it being torn down, um, to be able to protect and diversify retail, like a bookstore, which is kind of not a growing model anymore, and really, Get create a place where we could all come together, where you guys come and Jim, Bob, and Steve, and you know, this tourists and a local can come together and have you know, breaded to or sorry, break bread together at a table. To me, that was a catalyst for what we did this, and we wanted to create a place that wasn't 
crazy uber expensive. It was lower price point. We understand that, you know, money is <laughs> complex. <laughs> um, but we also want to showcase Sonoma County. We want to showcase farmers. We really wanted to give like give a canvas for artisans to showcase their craft and really say, you know, our all of our tables we made by this one guy, this wood guy, mm. you know, Andrew Summerwang. And we're going to take the the ceiling because we're going to take the, the roof off and raise the roof. Um, <laughs> take the <laughs> roof off. And we're going to put the roof 106 uh, upstairs. But we have these old beams. They're 115-year-old redwood beams. And we don't want to just throw them away. Mm-hmm. So we're going to save those and we'll make charcuterie boards out of them. And oh, cool. we have these old wooden planks, these old oak planks on the bottom. I think it's called a floor or something like that. Um, probably could start <laughs> with that comment. Um, and we want to save that wood, not just throw it away. So we're going to make a knife handle. So we have these custom-made knives we're doing. And we're going to use that, a hand, that wood and make a handle out of it. Um, my brother, my eldest brother, is uh, Les Garzini. has Garzini Welding. And he's going to do all of our steel for us. So he's going to do the steel staircase. And it's just work with these artisans that use their hands that they can take steel, raw steel, and make something amazing. They can take a dead tree. You know, old tree has been late, falling down for 40 years. It's just, you know, rotting away and say, no, stop. Let's make something cool out of that. Let's not go cut down a little baby tree and make particle board. Instead, let's take something that has been fallen down that is, you know, decaying. And let's make something really cool out of that. And it's kind of what I do in the food world. You know, we we have a garden. We grow our own stuff. And, you know, you put down little baby tomato seed. We have our, we save our tomato seeds. So we have these little baby seeds, and they're, like, the size of a tomato seed. And, you know, <laughs> you take it and you put it in the ground, and it creates this big, beautiful four- or five-foot tomato plant that gives you tomatoes. And, like, there's just, to me, it's so amazing. And we want to recreate that with, you know, how we do our tables, how we do our floors, how we are building the restaurant itself, our tiles. We're getting our tiles custom made. So we got a person out there making these tiles for us to go on this wall. And it's just, it's just, I love that. I love seeing people showcase their craft. I love seeing something come from nothing. And I love the fact that we're able to preserve that building from 1911 that was my great grandfather's. So that's really cool. Super exciting. Yeah. And it's all about like, you know, eco-friendly, reduce, reuse, recycle type of thing, you know, which is very big. It seems here. It's huge. And everywhere, you know, so that's nice to see. And we're really trying to break that. I mean, even at our restaurant, we're really trying to break that use it once, throw it away Mm -hmm. concept. I mean, end of the day, I'm I'm not a, I'm not here to sing the environmentalist, you know, uh, song, but man, (laughs) it's like, there's so much waste that people go through. And if you just take a second and say, you know, we don't really need to buy a tomato in the middle of winter that comes from, you know, Chile. Like that tomato's gotta be picked when it's green, put on a a plane, flowing up here. When you eat it, it kinda tastes like crap, you know? Instead, we can just sit back and say, maybe we should grow our own. Maybe we should go to the farmer's markets. Maybe we should support local (laughs) agriculture because that's kinda dying, you know? And Mm -hmm. instead, you know, let's say that, you know, if you have tomatoes every single day, you know, right now you go to Safeway and. I don't usually go to Safeway all the time, but when I go through, you'll see a big pile of heirloom tomatoes in the middle of winter, right? And you're like, well, where are those from? You know, like, where are they really heirloom tomatoes? They're grown, they're ripe and delicious, or is someone gonna buy that tomato and eat it, and it kinda tastes like crap, and it's gonna taste like cardboard. Mm-hmm. And they, they, don't, they don't know that a tomato needs sunshine. A tomato needs to be local. You shouldn't pick a tomato two weeks before you eat it. You should pick it that day, maybe the day before. And we really want to Valette, especially with Matheson, but we really want to sit back and say, let's not write the menu. Let, let's let's instead see what we get. Let's see what kind of produce we have. Let's see what kind of stuff is available. And let's just kind of put it all together and write the menu off what we have. And that's kind of been our philosophy at Valette. I think we're going to take this to the next level at the Matheson and really say, you know, tell the farmer, like, what do you got today? You know, like, cool, I got a bunch of potatoes. Well, let's do some little roasted potatoes, you know, where, hey, you know, you just bought all my potatoes. I'm not going to wear potatoes. I got parsnips. <laughs> you know, let's do some parsnips. And I, I just, I want a place that isn't as formal as Valette, but we can change many more often and really, really showcase what we have is best at that peak season at that time, you know, and stop buying so much stuff and having to fly it in and, you know, expand our carbon footprint. Let's try to minimize that. Mm. And let's use things that are, like you said, recycle, reuse, and really have you know a sense of authenticity to them. Have it where someone actually made that. A farmer grew this. It wasn't a machine. It wasn't you know some big, huge company you know 5,000 miles away or 10,000 miles away. It was a guy from you know down the block. That's awesome. Now, also... <laughs> Along with the restaurants, you also have the winery, the Valette Winery, aptly named. (laughs) When did the winery mix in with everything else? Not quite winery yet, just wine brand. Wine brand, sorry. (laughs) 
So I made wine in my garage. God, man, if there ABC's listening, I'm just kidding. This is a false story. I might have made wine <laughs> in my garage for fun. Um, and I just grew up in Sonoma County. It's I was never a winemaker. It's just, you know, you're around the grapes all the time. So my wife, um, Johanna, when, when we moved back to Hillsburg, when I moved back to Hillsburg and she moved to Hillsburg with me, we were, it was middle of harvest. This is 2008 or something like that. It was middle of harvest. Um, and I'll never forget, you know, my wife's like, what's up with all the grapes? I'm like, oh, well, these are my uncle's vineyard and like they're harvesting the grapes. And we made five gallons of wine that year, right? Wow. Just went down there, took a five gallon bucket, picked five gallons. And we, the old fashioned, I washed my feet first, but then we made wine, you know, <laughs> put it by the fire, didn't know what the heck we're doing. And it kind of tasted almost like wine. I was like, Jesus, look at that. Like, <laughs> I made wine, you know, oh, and the sound came off the music. And then every time I was like, hey, baby, turn the spotlight on real quick. And I was like, oh, I made wine. Um, and I loved it. So we started making garage wine. Um, it got kind of ambitious. We got up to a couple hundred cases. Hmm. And I'm the kind of guy that I'm not good at reading instructions. So I didn't really like study. My bad. <laughs> and I'm also one of those kind of perfectionist kind of people, which is a great oxymoron to have in life, by the way. Like, open like the kids have two little daughters. Like, well, open up like the, the toy, the play school thing, right? And there's like a million parts. And you're like, ah, don't need instructions. I'll just figure this out. And when I you're got done, this. Yeah, you got like four extra parts. And you're like, Ah, they're extras. <laughs> so that's literally how we started making wine. I uh, just picked some grapes and <laughs> used my feet. But every year we, we refined it. Every year we got better and better. And it was towards the end. I think it was, I think 13, I think it was 2012 was actually the, the aha moment where we started buying grapes. And we started, you know, instead of getting, you know, friends of mine, you know, 100 pounds of a friend of mine's grapes, we started making contracts. We started going out to Costa Brown and we started going to David Duncan, Silver Oak. And oh, wow. we really started like getting these amazing quality grapes and say, you know, if you do it, let's do it the best you can. 2013 uh, was our last year I made garage wine because this thing hit me really hard upside the head called reality. <laughs> and it was, if you make 200 cases of wine and you're buying like the best bottles and the best corks and the best grapes and you can't legally sell it, then you have a little bit of a problem in the whole <laughs> cash flow world. And I was like, Oh yeah, that's right. You got to pay those credit cards back, huh? So uh, 13 was last year we made garage wine. And we instead, in 2015, we started partnering with a couple of winemakers. So we're very, very fortunate to be able to partner with Bob Cabral. He uh, was one of the big people from William Selham. Mm. And now he has his own brand, Bob Cabral Wines, which are amazing, great scores. And also is the wine director at 3.6. Um, we also partnered with Jesse Katz from Devil Proof and Aperture. Amazing, amazing wine guy. Also next week's guest. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> nice. Make sure you guys have him talk about the Vlet wine brand. Oh, we will. We totally will. <laughs> like, we don't care about this Devil Proof award winning Malbec <laughs> stuff or the setting, the biggest, the best, most expensive wine ever sold. We don't care about that. No. We want to talk about the Vlet garage <laughs> <Absolutely>. wine. <laughs> um, and also Tom Rocchioli um, oh, Rocchioli Winery. And we're able to basically take three winemakers. We said, let's each person pick one varietal and just showcase the best that varietal. So uh, Tom Rocchioli does a Chardonnay. I think he makes some of the best Chardonnay out there in the world. Uh, Jesse Katz does the Cabernet. And I think he does, honestly, some of the best Cabernet out there. His mm -hmm. Malbecs are amazing, but his cabs, I think, will be the next one people are going to start talking about. And Bob Cabral is... He's a godfather of Pinot. I mean, Burt Williams, who started William Selham, mm -hmm. is amazing. Michael Brown is amazing. I mean, all these guys are amazing, but Bob is, he's a genius. Um, he's a genius with Pinot. Uh, so we have three winemakers make three different varietals for us. And very small boutique. We sell it just the restaurant. We're a legal bona fide uh, winery this time. Wow. Um, the garage wine wasn't. <laughs> so now we are. Um, but no, we actually sell it at the restaurant. We're releasing them very soon. So, is that the exciting. only place to find those wines? We'll do it if you email us. We you can you know we'll put a website up pretty soon. Right okay. now is a picture of a bar. <laughs> it's like <laughs> website coming soon. Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm a chef and I'm cooking today. Right. I am busy. I have two restaurants coming up. One restaurant exists and a winery. Okay, <laughs> and a family, and kids. a family, and kids. two dogs, two cats. Exactly the whole the whole nine yards. <laughs> the I guess eighteen yards now. Um, so yeah, we'll get going very soon. Build buy it direct. Um, but we do it to the restaurant. We did the 2015 Pinot that Bob did um, was amazing. Uh, the 2016, which was our kind of first initial debut, um, we entered that in Pigs and Pinot last year, and we won uh, second place, which oh, is wow. crazy. That's amazing. Um, I know. It's amazing we won first. I couldn't believe what happened. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Bob, what's going on here, man? <laughs> uh, no, Mark McWilliams, Marista won. Very rightfully oh, so. Oh, yeah. Uh, amazing wines, too. They do. Um, 
and it was all rigged. <laughs> <laughs> um, I saw Mark give the guy, the judge, a hundred dollars. Get start this now. It was fake news. We, we need an investigation into pigs and pino. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. exactly. <laughs> We're coming for you, Daryl Groom. <laughs> um, but no, so yeah, we officially launched a sixteen last year, uh, pino, and it sold out in like I think two months. Um, so we held back a little bit, kind of, you know, we went away a little bit longer, and we'll probably release the cab, the 2016 cab, probably next month or two. Um, but we'll just sell at the restaurant. That's it. You, you know, go. it's just again, we're not trying to be a winery. We're not trying to have a big, huge brand. It's just end of the day, it's it's again it's showcasing that craft, showcasing that passion. I mean, for me, to be able to work with these winemakers is literally a dream come true. I mean, my life is it's I think it's fake sometimes. Like I wake up <laughs> in the morning, being like, this is happening, right? Like this is a dream. Like you pinch yourself, like, ow, that hurt. What's that for? You're like, oh, that is real, isn't it? So I'm just the luckiest person out there. And are they focusing those wines on kind of being more like food tra- food centric wines? Exactly. And I think that's why it's fun for them because we sit back from the top to the bottom, from the grapes to the blending to the whole nine yards of saying eighteen yards now. The whole <laughs> the whole kit, whole kit and caboodles, my dad says. Still understand what that means. But um, sit back and really focus them on f- wines you can drink with food and with a certain style. So mm. we wanna kind of we want to really say, you know, what what's a wine that, you know, the cab is designed to lay down for a couple of years, but you can actually drink it now. And we waited from, from the 16 cab, we waited till 2019, but we you can actually drink the cab now. You don't have to sit there and wait 10 years. And it's kind of our big focus is saying, you know, here's a devil proof, which is amazing. And it's good today and it's good in 20 years. But, you know, at a, for our, what we do at the restaurant, people, when they buy the wine, they don't usually buy a wine off the list and say, hey, I'm going to take this home in 10 years, I'll drink it. Right. You know, they usually buy a glass, they buy a bottle and they have it at the restaurant. So we wanted to kind of tweak these wines a little bit and make them a little bit more now, be able to drink them now and design them for food. So they, mm. we kind of have a winemaker who is absolutely astonishing and they got my crazy ass in there tasting it going, and we're going to drink this tomorrow, right? So let's add more acid to it. You know, let's let's do more, you know, extraction or let's, you know, it's a little bit longer in the barrel and really sit back saying, you know, was the reason, was the passion for it? And it's making a wine that you can drink sooner than later. Awesome. So very fortunate. Very excited to try them eventually. I know, right? Very, very soon. Coming yeah. soon. Coming soon. <laughs> to a restaurant near you. Uh, now, uh, in your, you know, being in, the, the restaurant world and you're working with all these like you know, all the highest quality ingredients and all this stuff uh, what as a chef what's your like guilty pleasure food of like mm-hmm. uh, uh, your like favorite cheap eats item that uh, that you that you go for that's a good question um favorite food so you guys can't see us on the radio but I'm very trim 260 pounds so favorite food is very encompassing <laughs> we have a trust me menu that literally says like give me food like that's it like give me food give me wine so oh my favorite food I would say my guilty pleasures it sounds cheesy but probably a popcorn like I have an issue with popcorn um, I freaking love it I I said, I said freaking for the record <laughs> there's no um, I absolutely love popcorn and I think one of my favorite things is just very simply, I, we're now all fancy, so we buy the round popcorn. I don't know what it's even called. It's called like round popcorn. <laughs> um, so when it pups, it's like, it's like mass, like marble-sized popcorn. Oh, wow. And I like olive oil and sea salt. Some of my favorite. Sometimes it goes savory. It's like a little black pepper, olive oil, sea salt. Um, just a classic butter, brown butter. I, I love popcorn. I probably eat it three days a week. Um, my kids- As a meal? Sometimes it's a meal. <laughs> well, you're a busy guy, so I get that. <laughs> Sometimes it's a meal. Yeah. My favorite part is because I'm a, a popcorn connoisseur, I'm not good at the whole, I'm going to eat one little dainty piece. <laughs> Instead, I'm the, oh, popcorn, grab my hand, I'll eat it like Cookie Monster is re- <laughs> reborn. And my, I have two daughters, two and three. Both of them have inherited my popcorn loving gene. So they literally, when we do popcorn, it's like a freaking mad fight. My wife just sits there and was like, you guys are like wildebeests. And we're like, ah, 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 ah. you know, fight over a popcorn bowl and like, we'll put like handfuls. Oh my God, it's hilarious. So we have to, at this point, have our own bowls now of popcorn. Oh, so <laughs> it prevents a lot of fights in our family. I'm sure. <laughs> it's funny, but it's so true. <laughs> it's hilarious. Well, it is, Valette, it is the Matheson coming soon. Yes. To a Healdsburg near you, and uh, Valet the wine brand and yes. rooftop rooftop one hundred and six roof one hundred and six roof one hundred and six mm-hmm. rooftop seemed way too formal. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and plus, I ran out on the cocktail napkin. I wrote this on it. Ran out of space. I swear to God, we had like all these great names. Like 
all these crazy names going through all this stuff. We had a person, like a branding person help us, right? And we're sitting there, me and my partner we had a glass, glass and a half, no more than glass and a half, maybe glass three quarters of wine. <laughs> and I'm sitting there with a cocktail napkin. I'm like, dude, I wrote down Roof 106. I'm like, that's gotta be the name. He's like, oh my God, I love it. And it was like all this like work, all this stuff. And I'm like, simplest, simplest name in the world. Easy peasy. Yeah, like, end of the day, it's like, I mean, I, you know, Valette, like we never wanted to call it Valette. I had all these great names and I was all excited and, you know, like all these cool, I'm not gonna say names, I might maybe use them in the future. It's like all these really cool names and I'm like, oh, this, this is it, like deep meaning, like, you know, using like Latin at the origins and like all this stuff, you know, like did these branding logos and again, like 20 of my friends, we did like a BCC to 20 people and it was like, here's the top three, like little logos and freaking every one of those guys came back and like, no, just call it Valette. And I was like, oh no, I don't goodness. wanna call it Valette. I'm like, these great names. Uh-huh. So like same thing, we go to the Matheson. I'm like, you know, all these crazy cool names, you know, this branding person, these logos and all this stuff. And we keep coming back to, well, like the Matheson's cool. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, Roderick Matheson, like who they named the street after is like a great guy. Like fought like fought in the, in the like war, prevent slavery from California, war from Mexico, all about education. And we're like, this is who we should like support. This is who we should talk about. It shouldn't be, you know, ABZ restaurant. Right, which is not a name, by the way. Um, <laughs> but like, literally, it, it should be about the person. It should be about Roger Matheson. It should be about the history. It should have, you know, a touch on it. At Roof 106 is <laughs> just the time that we had a couple glasses of wine. <laughs> we're like, Roof 106, it's on the roof. You can't miss it, you know? <laughs> Sometimes the simplest, you know, names are the best. I really think so, though, right? Yeah. I mean, end of the day, especially in restaurants, like, you know, you go in there and you're like, well, there's a friend of mine uh, has a, a little project he's working on. And he told me the name, and I was like, how do you say it? And I, I, he said like five times, I don't want to say it, the name, but he's like five <laughs> times, and I was like, hold on, I still can't say it. Yeah. He's like, oh, well, it, it means, and he explains the whole thing to me. I'm like, okay, how do you spell it? And he's like, oh, you spell it, you know, G-Z-L-B-Z-Z-L-G-G-Z-Z-W. I was like, okay. He's like, no, hold on, hold on, no, one W, not one Z, and I was like, oops. Yeah, we might need to rethink about that name a uh-huh. little bit. So you're not going to misspell Roof 106. There's not no name. It's just no. a simple. I know. They right? won't even need to put it into their ways. They just go there. They I know, know where right? it is. Where are you going to go? Uh, the Matheson or Roof 106? Where's yeah. that? 106 Matheson? Yeah. <laughs> you're all set. And so, when yeah, are those uh, slated to open? Probably like 40 to 50 years from now. We'll see. Um, Construction. So our contractor said tomorrow, um, which probably means 50 years. (laughs) Of course. Um, Who knows? I mean, two-ish years, I would say. Hopefully sooner, but maybe a little longer. But we're thinking two years. And the big reason for that is we want to protect the building. So the building itself is an old building, obviously. It's 1911. But we really wanted to put a, a frame together to protect, protect and preserve the building, not just for you know the next five years, but for like 50, 100 years. Mm. So we're doing a lot of work in the actual building itself. And on the same hand, we're we're kind of those good neighbor people. Like I think of all the people in the world, you gotta be nicest to your neighbors just because they know where you sleep. Um, <laughs> so, or work in this case. So we're really doing like a, kind of a very minimal amount of hours in construction mm. where we could start at seven o'clock in the morning with sledgehammers and you know jackhammers and go to I think six o'clock at night. We're starting around you know eight or nine in the morning. We're stopping at four, mm. just so that we're not disruptive. Um, we also own the parking lot behind the building, which is kind of unusual for downtown Hillsburg. Mm. So we're staging all of our construction out of there. So we're actually really not only fortifying the building, but we're also doing very minimal. Uh, it's not going to be very disruptive to Hillsburg. Awesome. Um, you know, there's a little joke about the roundabout in Hillsburg, and I think there's been about a million stories on that. Oh, so yeah. we don't want to be those people. <laughs> like, and then there was the Matheson that blocked, you know, shut down Hillsburg Avenue. So <laughs> we're going to purposely do a little less speed on the construction, a little low, smaller hours, mm. um, just Monday through Friday, nothing on Saturday or Sunday. So it's going to extend out the construction a little bit. And also, very important to us also is that we really focused on preserving the building just for the future and really thinking back to my kids. And that's what got me involved in this whole thing was I wanted to protect it for my kids. I want yeah. to have my kids to say, you know, this is my great, great grandfather's building back in the day and really have something, a piece of history. I think nowadays history is kind of getting lost and I think mm-hmm. people's, you know, uh, it's just getting lost, getting kind of pushed over. It's getting, you know, glossed over. We were back at the tables we're doing. It's, you know, people laughed at us at Valette when we did the tables and they're like, well, you know, these big, you know, redwood tables that are reclaimed wood are going to be like 20 times more expensive than mm-hmm. this, you know, table looks almost the same that's particle board with a little thin veneer of mm-hmm. redwood on top. Mm-hmm. And 
and I looked at the guy who was trying to sell it to me, and I was like, well, where's it from? He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, where's it from? He's like, well, I don't know, China. You know, I'm like, well, that's the thing. It's like, who made it? He's like, I don't know, the guy in China, you know? And I was like, well, that's the thing. It's like, what are you showcasing? Yeah. You know, what are we trying to do here? Are we just having a table? Then maybe we shouldn't have a table. Maybe we should have, you know, a piece of cardboard, you know, or maybe just put, you know, the plate on your lap. Like, what's the point? Is it utilitarian or is there a story behind it? Is there mm-hmm. history? So same kind of thing. We want to have an artisan make it. We want to have somebody that touched it, somebody that felt it, somebody that said, this is my craft. This is what I do in my life, for my living. And I mean, look at like Andrew Summerwing, the guy that did our tables. He, he is a fanatic. I mean, he's a wood fanatic. He, it's amazing. He can tell you every grain, everything, the density. I mean, so much crap that can even remotely tell you, but mm-hmm. that's his passion. That's what he does. My passion is food. I love food, i.e. Well, I'm not skinny, but also <laughs> man, I love bringing people together and that's what I love in my life. And to be able to work with people of the same passion for you know, welding metal, for cutting a piece of wood, for making a plate. I mean, we're working with a, a plate maker right now who's maker uh, all of our China, I think, for some Valette and also Matheson, but they are so passionate. You want to showcase them. You mm-hmm. don't want to say, you know, push out mom pop stores. You don't want to push out the local farmers and buy the cheap stuff from, you know, wherever it is, you know, Chile. You know, you don't want to buy the particle board from China. Let's let's dump that. Let's instead say, let's work with something cool, something authentic, something that is real, something mm-hmm. that you can touch and feel and see. And you could say, this person made this. You know, Les Garzini made these stairs, you know, from steel, from just the stuff that we walk on called dirt has iron ore in it. They took the iron ore out and they melted it and they made a steel bar. He took the steel bar and he pounded it and he welded it to make a stair. Like, how cool is that? Instead Mm -hmm. of saying, you know, oh yeah, we bought it from, you know, wherever, you know, China. I'm making fun of China. But like, (laughs) just saying like, you know, really sit back and saying, you know, let's make it authentic. Let's make it real. Let's understand why we're doing this. Why you go to a restaurant. If it's just food, it's just straight nutrients. Yeah, screw that. Go to Safeway. Go to Costco. Buy a 50-pound bag of rice mm-hmm. and, you know, tilapia or something like that, you know, and just boil rice and eat nasty fish, right? It's got protein. It's got starch. I mean, that's that's food, you know? But if you're doing something because you want the story, you want to support the small farmer, you want to support the artisan, you want to support the craft maker, you want to support the passion. I mean, we're so lucky at our restaurant that we have people there that, you know, wake up and talk about food. I mean, I get these texts at, you know, 2 o'clock in the morning probably my cook is probably at the bar or just coming home from the bar going, I got an idea for a dish, you know, or six o'clock in the morning. The other cook is like, I got an idea for a dish, you know, or I walk past her garden. You have my cook out there in the garden, you know, picking the leaves. And I, what are you doing? He's like, I got an idea for a dish. I want to pick a couple things from the garden, you know, and Wyatt Piazza is one of our line cooks and he literally start helped start the garden. I mean, mm. and now he's going to some uh, SRJC to learn about gardening. And it's, it's that's the kind of people you want to support. That's mm-hmm. the kind of people you want to take that dollar and say, you know, why not? Why give it to, you know, Walmart, for example, not make fun of Walmart, but why give it to a generic place that's just going to buy generic quality products that are, you know, ordered frozen and you're going to eat it. It's nasty and full of preservatives and crap. And it's probably why people are getting cancer and bad stuff's happening. Mm-hmm. Instead, get something that's authentic, something that's real, something that is, you know, that's, you know, organic, that's, that tastes good, that's, you know, a person made it. You're supporting agriculture, supporting small farms, you're supporting small community. And that's where I think people misunderstood what the Madison was. And they thought we we're going to be some big monstrosity of a restaurant that was just going to, you know, do 5,000 people a day. We're going to have, you know, frozen crap. And I was like, no, it's the polar opposite. And I think once people understood that, that's where, you know, people really started getting behind us and really started supporting our movement, our cause. And it's really saying, you know, let's, Let's be stewards of this environment. Let's be stewards of our economy. Let's be stewards of our town, our our county, maybe even California, and say, you know, let's drop this whole, you know, pre-made nasty pork from China again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, China. Um, You're gonna get some strongly worded emails. I after know, this. right? All over, like the poke all over again. <laughs> and he doesn't like China. No, he likes China. But you know, really get back and say. You know, let's focus on a good quality pork that's raised local, you know, and maybe instead of eating a, you know, 20 ounce piece of pork, maybe we eat 12 ounces, you know, or maybe a, instead of an 18 ounce steak, maybe we eat a 12 ounce steak and, you know, a little bit smaller portion, but really sit back and say, let's understand and support where it's coming from. Let's support the farmer, which everyone talks about, but let's actually do it. Let's put our money there because if we just support the big imported, cheap, pre-manufactured crap, they're going to keep building that and buying that and producing that. 
if we kind of drop that and we say, you know what, we're going to just buy tomatoes when they're in season called summer. You know, I literally, I was at the store at Big John's today. My daughter's with me in the shopping cart because I'm that guy. <laughs> and I was talking to uh, Heather Cabral, Bob Cabral's wife. And my daughter's like, oh, watermelon, watermelon. Because there's a big watermelon there. And I love Heather's like, well, honey, they're not ready yet. You know, like here's just a rogue person, friend of ours, but you know, I just bummed her at the store. And literally, she, well, they're not ready yet. And like, how cool is that, that, you know, we're starting to tell people that watermelons aren't, they're out there, but they're not really that good right now. Mm-hmm. You know, let's not eat watermelons yet. Let's wait till it's summer. Wait till when you eat like the corn cob, you go take a bite of that corn and it tastes like just juicy sugar and sweet. And you're like, oh my God, I can't wait for the next bite. Right now, you can eat corn, absolutely. But it kind of sucks, you know? And let's start that movement. Let's start saying, let's not buy crap that's from 10,000 miles away that we flew in there because we think that in the middle of the winter time, we want to have tomato and burrata. Not really. You know, let's wait till the summertime till it's beautiful and the basil, you go outside the garden, you pick fresh basil, you take the tomato off the vine and you eat burrata that's fresh. Like that is what we should be focusing on. And that's what the math is going to be about. And that's what Valette is and continue to be. We can find Valette Healdsburg at ValetteHealdsburg.com. Is there a good place to find, to keep track of updates on the Matheson or just wait it out? <laughs> <laughs> we have carrier pigeons. Um, <laughs> just stand by your window. Like, <laughs> any second, they'll come. Um, so very fancy naming for everything. So uh, yeah, ValetteHealdsburg.com is the Valette website. Website106.com. Um, yeah, I know, right? We're not that trendy yet. Um, no, TheMatheson.com <laughs> was the website. Shocking. I know. Imagine that. Uh, so yeah, if you want to type in TheMatheson.com, uh, there's a little email there. You can, you can sign up for newsletter. We're not quite there yet. It's a little shinier than my ValetteWines.com, <laughs> which is just a picture of my bar, <laughs> the restaurant. Um, so kind of fun. And I just watched you guys right now pull up the maps and that was pretty quick. That was like two seconds. Yeah. <laughs> nope, sorry. Google <laughs> said point two seconds. Um, and on there, yeah, you can see like our future developments. You can see the shiny pictures with nice, you know, color pretty lights and stuff. Love all the um, fake people, you know, on there. <laughs> no, they're not from LA. They're not fake. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Oh, and there goes the LA viewers. I apologize for that. That was definitely John Smith from John Smith's restaurant who said that. Not Dustin Vled, who loves you immensely. Well, uh, until we see the uh, the white plume of smoke from the Madison Tower, we, we will await it. Uh, Dustin Vallette, thank you so much for coming in and taking the time. That was fun. Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate it. You. Enjoy your guys' day, and it is. I'm so excited. I was excited until you told me there's the was it ocean of ocean of rain, <laughs> ocean of Amazonian rain. river of rain. <laughs> the Amazon River is coming. Great. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> well, enjoy the sun while it's nice and beautiful out there. I love it. We will. Thank awesome. you so much, guys. I appreciate it. Thank enjoy you. your day. Thank you.